Zygerian scum. I'll handle that slaver. Anakin, he asked for me. I need you to locate the missing Togruta colonists. Fine. I'll have Admiral Yularen initiate a planetary bioscan. Why is he so upset? Anakin has never talked about his past, has he? Only to tell me he won't talk about it. As a child, Anakin and his mother were sold into slavery by the Hutt clans. Oh. And these Zygerians, they're slavers. Anakin has struggled to put his past behind him. <sighs> Don't worry. I'll keep an eye on him. Yes. Make sure you do. It's time for Send in the Clones! Join your hosts, Buto and Robbie, on an epic journey through a galaxy far, far away as they follow the escapades of Anakin Skywalker and the Jedi Knights with the clone army of the Republic in their struggle against Count Dooku and the droid army of the evil Separatists. So step in and prepare for adventure because it's time to Send in the Clones! In this episode, Anakin, Ahsoka, Obi-Wan, and their clone troopers discover that Zygerian slavers have taken over a colony of peaceful Togrutans. Our heroes fight off the evil slavers only to find that the entire population of Togrutans has disappeared. Hey, troops, it's your old buddy Bucho, and I'm a Clone Wars rookie on my first ever watch of the Clone Wars. And next to me in the dropship, a Clone Wars veteran on his third ever watch of the Clone Wars. He's the Anakin to my Ahsoka. It's your trusty pal, Robbie. Hey, how's it going? And we are going to talk about the 77th episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars Chronology. It's written by Henry Gilroy and Stephen Melching, and it's directed by Kyle Dunleavy, and it's Season 4, Episode 11, Kidnapped. So, Robbie, let's get this show on the road with you letting us know what you remembered about Kidnapped before you rewatched it again this week. I honestly didn't remember much at all. I had no idea. I don't know if I was just asleep during these episodes or what, but I didn't remember this at all, so a lot of it was new. And then once things started to happen toward, I would say, probably the last half of it is when I started going, okay, now I'm remembering this. Not quite as well as some of the others, but no, I remember this. So yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, it was almost like watching it for the first time. Did you remember that the Zygerians, and in particular Dastana, looks like Beast from X-Men? A little bit. In fact, uh, I was sitting there going, have we seen these guys before? Because I couldn't remember. And uh, Yeah, me neither. The design is pretty interesting. And then when I, I kind of paused it and did some research, and then I was like, okay, so they were kind of created for this arc. You know, the Zygarians are not something that we've seen before. So it was uh, it was kind of interesting to see. And then, and then, of course, I'm looking at some of the concept art, and I'm like, oh, yeah, they really are like cat people. Couldn't remember. Couldn't remember any of this. So it was like, it was, like I said, it was almost like brand new to me. Yeah, it's funny uh, you said they look like cat people because to me, I was thinking they look like wolves. Like these were based on the wolf man out of, you know, the, the Mos Eisley Cantina. But they sort of, to me, they look halfway between. Like they're not quite cats and they're not quite wolves. You know, they're somewhere in between. They are a, a striking looking creature. I mean, it's not like our old mate Riff Tamsin, where there's no doubt about what he's based on. Right, you know, these right. Zygerians are kind of their own thing you know they're not exactly based on some earth thing and of course what we learn about Datsanar in this episode is that he's really strong we learn that he really really likes being a slaver and when Obi-Wan is fighting Datsanar there's a moment where he's so confident 
that he takes an incoming transmission on his desk in the middle of strangling Obi-Wan. Like, he doesn't care. He thinks he's got this Jedi right where he wants him. He's going to take a phone call in the middle of strangling a Jedi. It was actually kind of surprising, I guess. For some reason, I just kind of had this idea that, that the Jedi were better hand-to-hand. Sure. Obi-Wan didn't seem to get really any good shots in, did he? Yeah, I think... With Dustin, I just, he seems so strong. Like, if a Jedi can get this beat up, it was almost like Savage, going back to Savage, how he kind of effortlessly smashed Obi-Wan and Anakin, you know, at the same time. And I'm not saying Dustin Arrow is as strong as Savage, but the way that he was effortlessly beating Obi-Wan up just made me think, yeah, this guy, not only is he a really good fighter, but he must be super strong. I mean, he's throwing Obi-Wan around like he's a ragdoll. Yeah, and I mean, do you think, do you think this is one of those things that, it's almost a critique of like a writing of a character or the, the, the introduction of a character that you're almost sort of out on accident, maybe on a little bit on purpose, making your established character a little weaker than normal to kind of boost up the strength of this new character that you've introduced. Do you feel that at all? Or, or do you think, no, did you feel it pretty natural? I didn't feel that at all. Just like when they showed how strong Savage was. I mean, because we know how powerful everyone is. We know how powerful Anakin is. And Savage just swipes them aside. I mean, we don't actually see the swipe happen, but we see them get smashed out of that corridor or whatever. I mean, I keep going back to that Savage scene. I went back to it when they were fighting. You know, when they were fighting Krell, Savage just seems to have become my reference for very powerful, you know, brutes. And I just felt like... The fact that Obi-Wan was getting beat up, I know how strong Obi-Wan is and how street smart he is when it comes to fighting. And so if Dustin I can do this, then he must be a brute himself. I didn't think of it as Obi-Wan being weakened, you know. I did think it was interesting that he wasn't using the Force. And I guess that was when he said no weapons, you know, I guess that was implicit in that, that he wouldn't use any Force tricks. But he kind of does at the end, right? Because technically... He didn't beat Dustin R without the Force or without any weapons. So Obi-Wan kind of went back on his word at the end. He wasn't a complete gentleman. Not that I blame him. I mean, I would have done what he did. But yeah, I don't know. That's how I took it. But you think you seem to feel that they wound down Obi-Wan's power. Or it was exactly the way that... See, now that I'm thinking about it and listening to what you're saying, I think Obi-Wan was, you know, he was playing possum a little bit. Yeah, that too. He was allowing himself to get beat up a little bit just because he's... You know, at the end, as soon as he hears that the bombs are done, he's kind of like, oh, gosh, about time. Sure. But also, if he could have beaten Dastana, then they would have won and the whole thing would have been a lot simpler. So I don't think Obi-Wan was choosing to lose, you know. I don't know. It just it felt to me like a little a little bit on the, you know, like, like, you know what I'm saying, right? You know what I'm trying to get at this kind of. Yeah, it did feel like it was foxing because at the end, he sort of brushes the dust off his shoulder and he's all good and, you know, he's back there grinning after getting that beating. So there was a sense that, oh, I guess maybe he was foxing a bit about how much he was being hurt. But, you know, on the other side of things, if Obi-Wan could have beaten him, it would have... Then it could have been over and... Yeah, so he would have tried to. He was trying to and he couldn't. And so, I don't know, maybe he was dragging it out. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's one of those... uh, There was a really funny little, I don't know, like a little shot of... (laughs) when Obi-Wan lands on the ground and then and his eyes kind of like, you know, he almost does an eye roll, you know, because he's just like, oh my gosh, you know? And of course, before this showdown between Obi-Wan and Datsana, we learned that Anakin does not seem very happy at all to see the Zygerian commander, the slave trader, and he furiously force rips the communicator to him and crushes it while furiously denouncing the Zygerian as slave scum and Ahsoka seems surprised at this reaction so we learn that Anakin has never told her about his past and so she asks Obi-Wan 
who finally tells her about Anakin's past as a slave, but this is the most angry we've seen Anakin in the whole show so far, isn't it? I mean, he's ready to lose his rag here. He kind of does lose his rag. Yeah, it reminds me of the episode where when they're questioning Poggle the Lesser and Anakin right. is almost unhinged. There's something there that I really, really liked. And and what was kind of, I don't know if you noticed that, I'm sure, I mean, it's probably one of those things where, like, yeah, you got to be deaf not to hear that, is the slight Vader theme being played as Ahsoka's kind of looking at Anakin and, and hearing the story of him being a slave and stuff like that. It's Right. It is there, you know, and it's just kind of a reminder. It's weird how they choose to show him lose his cool. It's like sometimes he's just joking around and it's no big thing, and then... What do you mean by weird, though? Because this felt super organic to me. It made organic sense to me for the character to be erect with hate at coming up against slavers again. So how do you mean... What do you mean by it felt weird? You know, it's... I think I'm being a little too critical of it, is what it is. I guess it's because the last time we saw Anakin, prior to Umbara, he was... I don't know. It just seems like there's there's a lightness that, that comes from his character sometimes, uh, like a flippant whatever. Right. And then sometimes his anger seems very, like, shocking. Like, whoa. But maybe that's the point. Maybe And, and maybe the, I'm, I'm reading, I'm being a little too critical of it, of his mood swings. Because, I mean, that's really the character of Anakin in, in essence. You know, he's still young. And, of course, he's got that influence of sort of dark side tendencies. So I guess I shouldn't be too critical of that. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it worked well for me. I sort of get where you're coming from, that it is a big swing from his often happy-go-lucky sort of air. You know, Obi-Wan is usually the more serious one, even if he is throwing wisecracks out there, and Anakin is the... I mean, I keep going back to the voyage of temptation when Anakin <laughs> kills Talmeric, and he just says, what? He was going to wax the whole ship. He just It was nothing for him to kill this guy, and Obi-Wan's Anakin. But, see, I sort of get what you're saying, but, uh, you know, in this episode, it just... I didn't even think twice about it. It hmm. felt like what Anakin would do coming up against slavers. No, and you're right. You're right. And the more I think about it, the more I'm, I'm, I think I'm just being a little sensitive to that. But well, I mean, you see it how you see it. I'm not trying to change your mind about it. No, I know. But but as I'm talking it out, I'm starting to change the way I'm looking at it a little bit too. So that maybe that's my fault, <laughs> or maybe it's the fog of this cold that's that's making me uh, making me not think clearly. Well, speaking of the way you look at things, Robbie, how did you look at... I mean, we're going to go... We're sort of going backwards through the episode now. Even before Anakin blows up at the slavers, we see these speeder bikes with these rotating sidecars on the side that can flip around and shoot behind them. I mean, this whole speeder bike scene starts off as almost like two biker gangs meeting up with each other and then turns into something awesome. And then we get to see Boyle atop that scout walker. And, you know, after seeing Waxer go down on Umbara, I just thought it was very sweet that we get to see Boyle again. He seems to be doing well. So rotating sidecars and Boyle go. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was great to see Boyle for sure. Uh, I was kind of expecting something because it almost seemed, uh, I don't know, it was, it was weird to, to just, it was like, oh, well, there's Boyle. And then he doesn't really do anything in the rest of the episode. Right. So it's kind of like, oh, okay. But uh, but no, the, uh, the rotating sidecars actually confused me for a minute. I guess maybe because I didn't realize that that was one unit. All right. Sure. So when it starts, when they start flipping around and shooting backwards, I'm like, wait a minute, what? Am I missing something? And I'm like, 
Okay, they're sidecars. Got it. Got it. No, I was exactly the same at first. I watched that scene three times. That wasn't until it wasn't on the first time that I realized they were sidecars. Yeah, because it almost looks like they're riding side by side on two different speeders. Yeah. And like Ahsoka's got a big gun on hers. Yeah. That's what I thought it was. Right. And it, especially because she's holding it, so it almost looks like she's you know she's flying something. Right. So I was kind of confused about it. Yeah. But uh. Same here. But no, I enjoyed that, and it's a sound design thing, right? It's a Ben Burt thing, really. I love the sound of speeder bikes. Yep. I just love them. They're awesome. There's the, the kind of the normal sound that you hear and the sound that as that's kind of flying by the camera, there's almost an, like an overdrive kind of sound that I love. Yeah. I just love the sound design. So yeah, anytime you can have speeder bikes, I'm, I'm good, man. I'm good. Well, since we are going backwards in time through the notes, Robbie, the very first note I took was that it was just so nice to be on a golden glowing sunlit world after all that oppressive time on nasty dark ominous <laughs> deep black gray and red scary umbara and i also noted that this is yet another society trying to stay out of the war like the lumens and when i first started seeing these societies i thought this is interesting and then we found out from the mandalore episodes when satine said that there are 1500 neutral planets so i mean i guess there are plenty of these systems out there and you know we find out in this episode it's maybe a tough thing to do if you don't have any other weapons or or jedis around to back you up the lumens had jedis and the mandalorians had their own weapons and you know armies but these poor tagruders they don't have anything and they get taken over pretty much effortlessly yeah it was kind of like um they were so easy <laughs> it was just way too yeah i don't think it was sad yeah it was like i don't think we're nah, i insist yeah. i was like oh well then okay well you can just take all of us then but yeah that was uh that was kind of crazy and i was just sitting there thinking wow kiros looks uh quite beautiful this looks like a place i'd like to go yeah yeah this is this is really nice oh the tegruda look gosh they they're all of them are just noble looking you know just kind of rather beautiful people this is man this is a nice place and then of course the separatists got to come in and ruin everything so the separatists ruining everything yeah i mean it was crazy I expected some resistance, but there was nothing. There was none. It's like they've never seen yeah. anything like this before. So it's very, very weird. Well, speaking of weird, Robbie, I don't know how weird you thought this was. I thought this was hilarious. After Ahsoka and Anakin disarm all the bombs, Obi-Wan pulls his lightsaber to him, and he asks Dastana if he wants to discuss surrender again. And Dastana announces that he does have one last bomb which he arms on the back of his tactical droid, who exclaims, Sir, how could you? And then he's shouting, Get it off, get it off, get it off. That scene. Yeah, I loved it. I mean, that poor tactical droid, but it's hilarious. Hilarious. Oh, yeah, I loved it. That was, I don't know, that was just one of my favorite moments of the episode, because it was just, we've kind of seen the tactical droids be kind of, uh, you know, a little bit on the uh, wimpy side when it comes to fighting. Right. You know, when it really comes down to it. But uh, I don't know. They're there for their brains, after all. Yeah. I just really, really thought it was funny. I mean, it was, it kind of took me aback because I just didn't think it was going to be that, that funny, like all of a sudden. But yeah, that was a good moment. Another good moment related to Bombs Robbie, a good eye roll <laughs> from Snips when Anakin tells her his guess. <laughs> 
about the Bundesamt. It's like we have the same notes. <laughs> no, she has she has a good eye roll game, and she brings it out in this episode. Aim straight at a good old Sky guy, and maybe you also have a note that you know you are on record as not being a fan of Jedi's doing superhero malarkey. We all know that by now, and in this episode, Anakin and Ahsoka both fly. I mean, effectively, they fly. They leap off their scout walkers and they travel, what, 200 meters, 200 yards, a long, long, long way to Darth Denai's ship as the slaver tries to escape the planet. And then we get a sequence that feels right out of a video game where they kind of platform their way into the ship. And I enjoyed this. But even as I was watching, I was thinking, I wonder what Robbie thinks about this bit. Yeah, I mean, I'll allow it. <laughs> I mean, I just kind of let it go. The, the one thing I was thinking is... Did Anakin tell Ahsoka that this was the plan? Yeah. <laughs> Didn't seem to, eh? Because it seems like... It seemed improv and she was just on his wavelength. Yeah, and I just was like, wow, that's some pretty good, uh, whatever you want to call that, psychic ability of, okay, now I need to jump probably as far as I can possibly jump. But yeah, it, w- it was a little... It, when you when you point it out now, it, it is a little overboard. But I liked all the kind of, the, like you said, almost that platforming. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was fun. I thought it was a fun scene. Yeah, and I even considered that flying shot for my favorite shot of the episode. I didn't select it in the end. I selected another shot. But let's get to it, Robbie. What was your favorite shot of Kidnapped? Well, my favorite shot is almost directly after that. You know, as they're sort of platforming into the ship and Dinar releases that... Blixus? Is that what they call it? Yeah. I enjoyed that fight, but I really enjoyed Ahsoka's flips, you know, to to sort of get away from those tentacles. And there's one in particular where she sort of flips on top of, I guess, all, a bunch of those cages. And yeah, I just, there was something about it that I was just like, man, Ahsoka's awesome. I just love Ahsoka. Yeah, she's fun, man. So yeah, that was my, uh, I guess it's more of a sequence than a shot, but I did like it. Yeah, no, it's funny that you chose those shots of the Blixis because my favorite shot of the episode was also the Blixis, but it was the first time we see the Blixis because we don't really see the Blixis, not in a detailed way anyway, when Dust and I boards the ship because it's behind the force field. But we see enough to know that it's real big and that it also seems to have a lot of tentacles. And I just like that sense of seeing that massive thing in there and going, what is that? <laughs> and the way that it sets up a mystery. And I probably should have known it was going to come into play later. And I didn't pick it up at that time. So when it did pop out, yeah, I knew that was going to be fun as well. But yeah, my favorite shot of the episode, because of the sort of veil of the force field veil of mystery that it left over the Blixes at that point, I thought that was just cool the way it fired my imagination all of a sudden. So, before we bring this one in for a landing, Robbie, we need to sum up and give our ratings. So, after your third ever watch of Kidnapped, how did you like it overall, and where does Kidnapped sit on that four-star Robbie scale? Well, I'm going to give this one a three out of four. Even though I don't think this episode and this arc maybe are 100% necessary for your enjoyment of the Clone Wars, it is a lot of fun. And we do see a lot of, like you said, Anakin's thoughts on slavery, and I think that's important to his character and maybe see him a little unhinged every now and then. So that's kind of fun too. So even though I don't think it's 100% necessary, I still think it's worth watching. Yeah, that was a big reason I'm going to give this episode an 8 out of 10. Robbie, an 8 Converse, let's say, out of 10. And just seeing Anakin react the way he did to the slavery, the way it ties back to, you know, the Phantom Menace and to Attack of the Clones. I always like when the Clone Wars conspicuously ties directly into the live action films and so I give it a lot of points for that you know I thought there was just a ton of cool action stuff I mean I mean no we don't need to go back over it I'm giving this 8 out of 10 it's a very fun episode it's a little step down from Umbara but then you know what how could 
Following Umbara, let's put it this way, following Umbara was always going to be tough and I thought this episode did a real good job of carrying on some quality momentum. And that's mission accomplished for season 4, episode 11, Kidnap. So Robbie, if the troops out there want to tell us how much they love Kidnap, how can they reach us? Well, we are Bucho and Robbie at Gmail, Twitter, and Instagram. That's B-U-C-H-O-A-N-D-R-O-B-B-Y. Yes, sir. And of course, the troops can join us again next time for the 78th episode in StarWars.com, Clone Wars Chronology, Season 4, Episode 12, Slaves of the Republic. And until then, this is your old buddy, Bucho, alongside your trusty pal, Robbie, and we are out. Remember, you can support Send in the Clothes for free simply by rating and reviewing the show on iTunes or any other podcast platform, and Bucho and Robbie will read the review on a future feedback episode. And speaking of feedback episodes, you can also send either a text or an audio message of 60 seconds or less to Bucho and Robbie at gmail.com. May the force be with you.